I'm Dr. Alicia Armistead. Welcome to my podcast, Eat Well, Live Well, Be Well. I'm a chiropractor who specializes in nutrition for the last 15 years in New York City and Connecticut, and I'm here to continue how to eat well, what foods are best in order to be healthy. Last week, I talked about eggs and wheat versus gluten and sugar, and this week I want to continue talking about corn, soy, milk, cheese, and my favorite, chocolate. And so we muscle test the body to figure out specifically what foods to stay away from for a certain period of time while the body heals. One of the foods that comes up often to avoid during the cleansing process is corn. Now, corn sounds easy to stay away from. If I tell people to stay away from corn, they think, okay, that's fine. No corn on the cob, no corn chips, no corn flakes. But it also includes corn oil, popcorn, high fructose corn syrup, and some people are so sensitive that they need to stay away from eggs and meat of the animals that are eating corn, but instead make sure that they eat the pasture-raised eggs or pasture-raised chickens or grass-fed beef. Without those labels, you can assume that the animals are eating tons of corn, soy, and antibiotics. Corn and soy are extremely cheap to produce, and America produces a lot of it. So the food companies find new ways to incorporate them into our foods. I mean, that's why there's high fructose corn syrup. Do you think we actually need another processed sweetener in our food? No. But, of course, we somehow found a cheaper version than cane sugar and beet sugar, and we made corn into high fructose corn syrup. If you are allowed to eat corn, it is very important to only eat organic. Otherwise, the corn you are eating is genetically modified and laden with pesticides. And even if the testing does allow corn, I do suggest to continue staying away from high fructose corn syrup. We muscle test for soy as well. And a lot of studies have been done about the ill effects of soy. Soy contains something in it that acts like estrogen in our body. We call it phytoestrogen, phyto meaning plant. And when something acts like estrogen in our body, it really does disturb our hormone pathways. Animals eat a lot of soy and being given hormones is the main reason why I think girls reach puberty and get their periods at a younger and younger age each generation. Science also shows phytoestrogens have the potential to cause infertility and to promote breast cancer in adult women. Soy phytoestrogens are known to harm the thyroid too and cause hypothyroidism and may even cause thyroid cancer. Studies have shown that infants consuming soy formula have been linked to autoimmune thyroid disease. Soy, like beans, have high levels of phytic acid, which reduces assimilation of calcium, magnesium, copper, iron, and zinc. Phytic acid in soy is not neutralized by regular preparation of soaking or sprouting, or even slow cooking, like beans are. Vitamin B12 in soy is not absorbed either, and when you eat soy, you actually increase the body's requirement for B12. Soy also increases the body's requirement for vitamin D. So instead of being nutritious, soy actually depletes our body of nutrition. Even when the body tests okay with soy, I do suggest to be healthy to limit it in small quantities.
When asking patients to stay away from soy completely, obviously avoid edamame, tofu, soy sauce. Only eat good quality pasture-based meat and eggs are in order, otherwise the animals eat a lot of soy, just like corn. Also read food labels to look for hidden sources of soy. Soy is hidden in so many foods as soybean oil, soy lecithin, and MSG. Monosodium glutamate, MSG, is an extreme neurotoxin and it is formed during the soy food processing and additional amounts of it are added in many soy foods. When it comes to drinking milk, obviously you want to stay away from soy milk, but cow milk, the original milk, is a lot of controversy around it. Is it good for us? Do we need the calcium from it? Is whole milk the best? Or do we want 2% or skim? I mean, the questions go on and on. My answer for everything, of course, if something is healthy or not, is let's muscle test for it. So to all my patients who test well for milk, the best cow milk to drink is A2 milk. And so we have different milk vials that we test for as well. If you test well for it, then I do highly suggest A2 milk, not regular milk, and I do suggest whole fat milk, whole fat yogurts, which I know are kind of hard to find. Now, A2 milk is healthier because it lacks a form of beta-casein protein called A1 and has a different form called A2. Beta-casein makes up about 30% of the protein in cow's milk. A1 and A2 are different variants of beta casein. Historically, cows have produced only A2, and through the generations, genetic changes have made cows also produce now A1 proteins, which are harder for us to digest. The percentage of A1 and A2 beta casein protein varies between herds of cattle, also between countries. While African and Asian cattle continue to produce only A2 beta casein, the A1 version of the protein is common in the Western world. Goat, sheep, water buffalo, human breast milk all contain only A2-like proteins. And thousands of years ago, all cow's milk had only A2 as well. And A1 is hard for us to break down in the gut. A peptide fragment, which is a chain of protein called BCM7, is formed. And this fragment can slow down digestion, trigger inflammation, and cause symptoms such as bloating, gas, abdominal pain, diarrhea, even constipation. And no such fragment is formed with A2 digestion. That's the difference. And I mean, if these symptoms sound familiar, it sounds like lactose intolerance, right? And many people may be diagnosing themselves with lactose intolerance when it's really A1 that they need to avoid. You won't know until you try A2 milk. Now, the A2 milk company from New Zealand has come to the United States in 2000. And it's in our local grocery store, ShopRite, or Stop and Shop. And I'm hoping you guys can find it near you as well. A genetic test developed by the A2 milk company determines whether a cow produces A2 or A1 protein in its milk. The test allows the company to certify that its milk is only A2 milk. And whole fat A2 milk is the best type to drink. 
because the extra fat content is how mother nature made it. It's what we need. The enzymes are actually in the fat to help break down the milk. Research even shows that among adult women, higher intake of high-fat dairy was actually linked to less weight gain than intake of low-fat dairy. I'll leave the study in the links in the description. And a recent study of children ages 1 to 6 years old found that those who drank whole milk had higher vitamin D and lower body mass index than those who drank low-fat milk. For those of you who don't drink milk and now are worried about not getting enough calcium in your diet, there are other plant-based calcium sources, and I'll leave a link in the description for that as well. Besides milk, we also test for cheese separately. Due to the fermentation process, sometimes people will test fine for cheese, but not for milk. Other times it's the other way around, and people can do milk and yogurts, but they can't do cheese. And that's because of the mold during the fermentation process people can be sensitive to. Butter is also a dairy product, but tends to be fine for most people because it has barely any lactose or casein in it, which are the two main culprits of why someone would react poorly to milk. Again, to know for sure if butter is okay for your body, it's best to get muscle tested. Now, fruit can be a sensitivity that some people have to stay away from because the fruit sugar, also known as fructose, is stressful on the body, especially the liver. Even when people test fine for fruit, sometimes I limit the fruit to only one serving a day. There is a lot of vitamins and minerals in fruit, but the fruit sugar is the problem. It can stress out the body. Also, with the genetic modifications to fruit and our soil being depleted of minerals, an apple today contains more sugar and less minerals than 50 years ago. A good book on this topic is Empty Harvest. I'll leave a description of Empty Harvest too if you're interested in the book. And it just goes into detail about how our food, unfortunately, isn't as nutritious as it used to be. Depending on the person's muscle testing, sometimes fruit has to be limited specifically to only berries, limes, and lemons because the sugar content of those fruits is less than other fruits. Other times, the muscle testing shows that a person can't handle any fruit at all. If the person is really going through a blood sugar situation or an adrenal fatigue phase, you have to stay away from fruit because even fructose can cause an increase in blood sugar. Even a small spike in blood sugar can elicit a hormonal reaction for the adrenal glands that sometimes the body can't handle. I do look at tomatoes as a fruit that gets muscle tested separately because tomatoes are also a nightshade. Nightshades are a group of foods that can cause chronic pain due to inflammation that they cause when being digested. Besides tomatoes, nightshades also include peppers, potatoes, eggplants, and goji berries, believe it or not. The other thing about tomatoes is the lectins. Lectins are microscopic proteins that plants evolved to defend themselves from predators, including insects and animals, and animals include humans. They are essentially indigestible and have the unique ability to increase the permeability of our intestines, which eventually can cause a leaky gut or more intense situations. 
that means that lectins can pass through our intestinal wall and so can other foods. And then once they get out of the intestines, these foods are treated like foreign invaders by our immune system. And then this causes an inflammatory response, which is a main reason for food sensitivities, but can also set the stage for a host of a bunch of different diseases as well as weight gain. And if you think leaky gut is an issue, we really have to help heal the gut and then you won't be so food sensitive. Dr. Stephen Gundry popularized the lectin-free diet. He is a former heart surgeon, believe it or not, which switched his focus to food and supplement-based medicine when he understood what lectins do, and he feels like eating lectins is the main danger in the American diet. In response, he has written a book that provides information on how to avoid lectins, and then different food choices and recipes called the plant paradox. According to the book, when lectins are harmful, leaking through the gut and causing inflammation, the autoimmune diseases that can be created are celiac disease, diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis, heart disease, cancer, and depression. And so following a lectin-free diet could be a way to lower inflammation in the body. And I have seen great results with it in the office, but again, it's not for everybody. Thank goodness, because it's not the easiest thing to avoid. It's best to get muscle tested. According to Dr. Gundry, people should limit the following foods when trying to avoid lectins. Legumes, such as beans, peas, soy, lentils, and peanuts. Squash, nightshades, the eggplant, peppers, potatoes, tomatoes, goji berries, all grains, corn, meat from corn-fed animals, the A1 milk as well you need to avoid, and no fruit, although in-season fruit is allowed in moderation. And then he does believe that soaking the beans overnight in water and some baking soda and then draining them and then pressure cooking them can eradicate nearly all lectins. In fact, pressure cooking vegetables and legumes is also an excellent way to decrease the lectin content in plant foods in general. But using a pressure cooker doesn't get rid of all lectins. It won't get rid of lectins in oats, wheat, rye, barley, or spelt. Likewise, sprouting grains, seeds, and beans releases the enzymes that reduce lectins and the process of fermentation can cut the lectins in dairy and vegetables. In order to avoid lectins, peeling and de-seeding your fruits and veggies. Often the most harmful part of a plant is its lectin-filled peel or rind, and lectins are also hidden in the seeds. Finally, if in fact you must eat grains, opt for white over brown. So instead of brown rice, eat white rice. Instead of whole wheat bread, find a healthier version of white bread, believe it or not. There are more lectins in the brown wheat and the brown rice. A lectin-free diet is not easy to follow, but the science is there to back up how lectins cause inflammation in the body and can lead to certain diseases. And if you can't get muscle tested to see if lectins are an issue for you, then try not to eat lectins for two weeks and then add them back in and see if you notice a difference. Now, 
What food podcast would not be complete without talking about the health of chocolate? Over the past dozens of years or so, a steady stream of science has emerged showing that cocoa possesses extraordinary disease-fighting properties. It's extremely anti-inflammatory and even helps with weight loss. Cocoa also demonstrates significant benefits for the heart, helping to reduce the risk of heart disease and stroke. It reduces the risk of high blood pressure and even reduces the risk of cancer. Cocoa contains over 700 known compounds. For all we know, there may be many more to discover. Of particular interest to scientists are the antioxidant compounds in cocoa. Antioxidants are compounds that plants manufacture to prevent their own cells from premature destruction due to exposure to heat, light, air, moisture, and time. In the body, many of these compounds prevent oxidation from destroying our cells and causing premature aging and disease. Cocoa is especially rich in polyphenols, a group of protective antioxidant compounds found in many plants, actually. It's in red wine and tea. Yet of all food, cocoa has the highest antioxidant polyphenol content and provides the greatest cardio protection. Cardiovascular disease is the primary killer of adults. The polyphenols in cocoa are protective in two ways. They help reduce the oxidation of bad cholesterol, LDL. Oxidation of LDL is considered a major factor in the promotion of coronary disease, such as heart attack and stroke. Additionally, polyphenols inhibit blood platelets from clumping together. This clumping process, called aggregation, leads to atherosclerosis and the hardening of arteries. Another dimension of the benefits of cocoa and chocolate consumption concerns mood. Cocoa is rich in agents that enhance the production of various feel-good chemicals in the brain, notably serotonin and dopamine. This means that cocoa possesses antidepressant mood-elevating properties. This may be no surprise at all because millions of people self-medicate with chocolate every day, and now you know why. On the mood-modifying compounds in cocoa, one of them is called phenethylamine, short P-E-A, phenylethamine. This chemical, which occurs in chocolate in small quantities, stimulates the nervous system and triggers the release of opium-like compounds, endorphins. It also potentiates the activity of dopamine, which is associated with pleasure and sexual arousal. PEA increases in the brain when we fall in love. The giddy, restless feeling that occurs when we are in love are at least partly due to PEA. This adds a rather remarkable dimension to cocoa and may account for why it is so highly prized. For while there are a great many agents in nature that can boost libido and enhance sexual function, chocolate alone actually promotes the brain chemistry of being in love. I mean, that's why chocolate is a main gift at Valentine's Day. Cocoa additionally boosts a sense of well-being by increasing brain levels of serotonin. For this reason, cocoa provides a highly desirable mood boost to women during PMS and menstruation when serotonin levels are often down. 
In fact, women are consistently more sensitive to cocoa than men. Women typically experience stronger cocoa cravings than men, and for many, cocoa is the perfect PMS prescription. The one thing that hinders cocoa or chocolate from being a great superfood is all the sugar that we put with it. Find chocolate that is made with coconut sugar, stevia, or monk fruit instead. And even when it's made with a healthier sweetener, make sure you have at most only a serving a day. You can also make your own chocolate and I'll leave that recipe in the description using honey and it's easy. If I can make it, you can make it.